Welcome to the Cherry Hills Podcast. We're in a four-week teaching series during Advent called Waiting for the World to Change. Together, we're learning how we can wait differently because God is renewing all things. Thanks for listening. So I want to start with a little quiz. What do these four animals and insect have in common? Look here on the screen if you would. Any guesses? They all prefer darkness. And I'm kind of glad about that, actually. <laughs> uh, now, animals and insects aren't the only, that, only ones that prefer darkness. Did you know that people do, too? There's actually a definition. I'd never seen this word before in my life until this week. Here it is, nyctophile. So if someone asks you today what you learned, you're going to say, I learned about a nyctophile. A nyctophile is a person who loves the darkness. They prefer it. And it's an interesting thing as we talk about the Christmas message, because we, we come to verses like Isaiah 9-2, which I've listed there in the message notes. And so would you mind if we read this together, uh, full voice, let's read Isaiah 9-2 and hear the word of the Lord. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light on those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. Now, if you look at the second gray box there, we, we find out who this light is. And Jesus tells us in John 8, 12, would you read that with me, please? Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of light. So this idea of darkness, deep darkness, what does all that mean? And I don't know about you, but I can sense a darkness, a heaviness in these times. In fact, I was thinking about this. I think I've shared this before, but a mom and her high school son were driving home from a hockey game one night. And the son paused and said to his mom, hey mom, can I ask you something? What do you think the world will be like in 20 years? Because when I look around, things seem really bad. They seem really dark, and I just wonder how much worse it's going to get. Can you relate to that? And so, as we think about this darkness, sometimes it's palpable, sometimes it's visible, sometimes it's just uh, a, a kind of a distant sense, but there is this sense of darkness, and so the Bible speaks to this. And here's my question that I want to just put on the table today as we think about this fourth Sunday of Advent. Here it is. Why do some keep walking in the darkness and others do not? Why do some people keep walking in the darkness? If there is now light of life, is that if there is light for the world, why do some people keep walking in the darkness and others do not? Why do I walk in the darkness sometime? What, what is that? How, what do we need to understand this Christmas? Because if there is the hope, if there is the good news of the light, then why do we still find ourselves sometimes in darkness or sometimes wanting to go back into the darkness? And I want to talk to you about that today. Now, again, let me just use a simple illustration here. I'm just a little electrical uh, experiment here. Um, this makes me feel more important than normal uh, with the light <laughs> on here. Uh, but in a sense, although we don't have perfect darkness here, if I, if I just begin uh, to start over here, then I've got to decide what to do with the light. Am I going to move towards it? Or let's say that I've experienced the light of Christ, but find myself doing this. 
just getting progressively farther away from the light this Christmas? What does he want us to know? How does he want us to walk in the light of life? So with that good news, I want to talk to you about that. We can turn the light back on so other people get to experience it too, if that's all right. And um, uh, so would you mind if, if uh, I, well, here's what I want to do. I want to invite you to open your Bibles to Mark chapter 5. And we're going to look at this actually later, so if you can just mark it. But I want to ask if you would pray with me as we think about what does it mean to walk in darkness? And the Bible says that. And then what does it mean to walk in the light or, or when the light shines on us, what do we do? How do we not have to keep walking in darkness? So I want to talk with you about that. Would you pray with me? Now, Lord, I thank you for the privilege of just being even exposed to what your word says in the Bible and what you say to us, just to have this as a gift. And I, I know, Lord, that in this room, there, we're all over the spiritual map. You know our stories. You know us. And I just would pray that you'll help each one of us know exactly where we are today, but also that you'll help us know where we can go, where you can take us, if we'll trust you, if we'll open ourselves to you either for the first time or again. Help us, Lord, listen to you as you speak to us today. In your name we pray, amen. Okay, so let me just talk to you about this whole idea of walking in the darkness of, one of the things I want you to notice as I kind of unpack this is that by its nature, there's a progressiveness to darkness. You know as well as I do that even with all those lights on, it wasn't necessarily as dark as the Merrimack Caverns when they turned the lights out. So there's a progressiveness to the darkness. And again, I was just thinking about, as, as I think about what darkness can mean even in our own culture, I wrote down words like this, see if you relate to any of them. Do you have a sense of emptiness or loneliness or lostness or coldness? Do you, you have a sense of being cut off from God? Heaviness, sadness, numbness, brokenness, blindness, deadness and death, Injustice, violence, hopelessness, greediness, willfulness, selfishness, secretiveness, deceitfulness, hardness, godlessness. All these things sometimes describe the darkness that we feel or that sometimes we're walking in. And so today I want to just unpack, as you give me the opportunity each week, to just uh, spend time in the Word of God and just notice what the Bible says about darkness and what it means when it says walking in darkness, of people walking in darkness. So the first, if you're following along, is walking in the darkness of grief, not knowing, or hopelessness. The Bible sometimes talks about walking in the darkness of grief, not knowing, or hopelessness. You know, because as Brian taught us a few weeks ago, this world is not the way it's supposed to be. Ever since the human race fell because of sin, um, there's things that are, are not right. And therefore, that means that there's still suffering, there's still death, there's still tragedy, there's still heartache, there's still grief. And sometimes it's not even something that we did, it's something that happens around us or someone, happens to someone we love. And because of that, sometimes just we feel the heaviness, the coldness, the darkness of grief. The Bible also says that some people walking in darkness walk in darkness because of not knowing there are people even in our city that have never heard that Jesus Christ came to be the light of the world in their life. They've never heard of Jesus. No one has ever rubbed shoulders with them that showed them Jesus. 
And therefore, sometimes people walk in that not knowing. Romans 10, 14 captures this. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? There are some people this Christmas that are walking around not knowing. And then there's some that are walking this Christmas in the darkness of hopelessness. They, they wonder if there's any hope for them. They just have gone through so many different things where they've lost hope. And I, I've never forgotten the day I ran, ran across these words in Ephesians 2. Remember that at that time, you were separate from Christ. Here's the phrase. Without hope and without God in the world. Oh my goodness, friends, there are some people walking in the darkness of hopelessness because they're without hope and without God in the world. Is that you? You know someone like that? The second thing that I noticed as I studied the scriptures is that we can also walk in the darkness of dishonesty, disobedience, or unbelief. Dishonesty, disobedience, or unbelief. Again, this is a little bit more progressive. This just shows that you and I can live deceitfully. We can have all kinds of secrets or a secret life or be two different people. We can uh, also just straight out disobey God. We know what he wants us to do, but we just disobey. And when we do that, it, it just brings darkness. And then there's the darkness of unbelief that although God may have been drawing us to himself or showing, we, we just, we don't believe. And those are some of the things the Bible says contribute to people walking in darkness let me just go through these verses I've listed out to the right. Job 24, 16, it says, In the dark, thieves break into houses, but by day they shut themselves in. They want nothing to do with the light. They would rather just continue to do what they're doing. Isaiah 29, 15, What sorrow awaits those who try to hide their plans from the Lord, who do their evil deeds in the dark? The Lord can't see us, they say. He doesn't know what's going on. And then here's this idea of the downward spiral found in Romans 1. Look at what it says here. Yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused. Claiming to be wise, they instead became utter fools. Have you ever seen this uh, picture at times used to talk about a light bulb going on in someone's? What? the writer in Romans is saying is, is that when you and I continue to walk in that kind of darkness, that light bulb goes out rather than being able to really. But, but at the time, we think we're smarter than we've ever been. But there's this darkness, this foolishness that comes in through those ways. Now, notice the third thing here is that walking in the darkness of hatred, unforgiveness, or a hardened heart. Walking in the darkness of hatred, unforgiveness, or a hardened heart. Just this last week, someone came up to me and said, I want to just tell you that in the last year, I have been able to forgive my mother, my father, and my ex-husband. And I know this person's story. Every one of those three people violently abused her. And so she was just smiling. She was just saying, God, after years of that, set me free from that, but some, she knew the darkness of walking in unforgiveness. She knew the darkness of resenting and, and finding it hard not to hate them for what they did. And maybe that's you. Maybe there's someone, in fact, as you think about getting together for Christmas, like you're dreading it. 
because you can't stand some of your family members or people that you're going to be gathering with. And you may just be wrestling with all that. Or you may find yourself just saying, man, I'm just going to harden my heart towards them because I just that's the only way I can cope. I just can't stand. Or maybe you've hardened your heart against God. Maybe you blame him for things that have happened and you find yourself walking in that darkness in a way it works for you a little bit, but it doesn't completely work, does it? And so the Bible talks about that. Here's what it says in 1 John 2, 9 through 11. It says, anyone who claims to be in the light but hates a brother or sister is still in the darkness. Verse 11 says, but anyone who hates a brother or sister is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness. They do not know where they are going because the darkness has blinded them. Some people, that's the kind of thing. They, they got the rest of their world all together, but they're relationally still walking in the dark with some people. The fourth way here is that walking in the darkness, if you're following along, of evil influence or demonic control. Again, this is progressively worse, as I told you. But we have to just be honest and say that there is, this is going on. Walking in the darkness of evil influence or demonic control. And that, that brings us to this passage that I wanted you to look at with me in the Bible. There is a guy that once met Jesus who was in a really, really, really dark place. I admit it's extreme as we read it. But I just want you to know that there are those extremes happening. Maybe even in your own family. Maybe someone you care about. But listen to how the Bible describes this. Then they, which means Jesus and his disciples, went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure, evil spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. Can you just feel the heaviness of that? And when he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, what do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? In God's name, don't torture me. And that's, again, the, the evil spirit speaking out of him. For Jesus had said to him, come out of this man, you impure spirit. Then Jesus asked him, what is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And again, this is not easy to talk about, but I've listed out to the right. The Bible says in Ephesians 4.27, do not give the devil a foothold. Don't, don't give him an opening. Ephesians 6.11 and 12 says, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, not against people but against principalities and powers, forces of this dark, evil world. And there's something going on. And then out to the right there, 1 John 5, 19, John writes, a follower of Jesus in his later years says, for we know the whole world is under the influence of the evil one, prince of darkness. And so there is this darkness that our world feels. And some of us are saying, like, why doesn't God do something about it? Well, he has. And he is going to ultimately redeem and restore the whole world and he's in process of doing that, but he's being patient because he doesn't want anyone to perish. He wants all to come to a saving knowledge of knowing him. But we all go, well, I just, well, I wish it was over. But we live in this darkness. And what do we understand about it? How do we know? I was thinking about one more thing that it says as you follow in the notes there. 
is it's possible to walk in the darkness instead, if you're following along, of his light, of goodness, righteousness, and truth. It's possible to walk in the darkness instead of his light, of goodness, righteousness, and truth. That's what Ephesians 5, 9 says, the fruit of all light is. It's God's goodness, his righteousness being right with him, and his truth that pierces through the darkness. And so when you think about that, I don't know about you, but I've experienced some of these different descriptions of darkness. And there are times when I still am tempted to live in those places. And so what do we need to understand at that moment? Like, are we going to walk in the darkness, keep walking in the darkness, or are we going to walk in the light? I, I don't know about you, but sometimes the darkness I also walk in is of guilt, shame, and fear. These are the ones that I've noticed as a pastor over the years have kept a lot of people from coming to the light. They're afraid or they're filled with shame, either because of something they've done or something that's been done to them by someone else. And it just brought credible shame. Others might be a sense of guilt over something that we can never forget that we did and it just keeps circling around in our mind again and again across the ticker. And then there's other times where we are so afraid of losing control. We are so afraid that if we really ever let Jesus have our lives, he will do something that we don't want to happen. And so guilt, shame, and fear. But also there's other times where I just plain, um, because I'm judging myself in natural room lighting around other people, I overrate myself. I've shared this story before, but I love the fact that Christmas gives me another opportunity to share it again. Bruce Thielman writes this, I came across a collection of letters that children wrote to Santa Claus. Some of them were pretty good. One said, Dear Santa, you did not bring me anything good last year. You did not bring me anything good the year before that. This is your last chance. <laughs> Signed, Alfred. He said, my favorite went like this. Dear Santa, there are three little boys who live at our house. There is Jeffrey, he is two. There is David, he is four. And there is Norman, he is seven. Jeffrey is good some of the time. David is good some of the time. But Norman is good all of the time. I am Norman. <laughs> but none of us are Normans. None of us are Normans, and sometimes we find ourselves wanting to protect a habit or an addiction or a relationship or a pleasure or some kind of thing that makes us feel powerful, and it's just easier to deny reality. There's an old story that tells of a desert nomad who awakened hungry in the middle of the night. He lit a candle and began eating dates from a bowl beside his bed. He took a bite from one end and saw a worm in it, so he threw it out of the tent. He bit into the second date, found another worm, and threw it away also. Reasoning that he wouldn't have any dates left to eat if he continued, he blew out the candle and quickly ate all the dates. <laughs> now, that's, that's one way you and I can deal with it. But let me just be real honest with you. We can try and push the light away. Or we can keep walking in the darkness. And you may say, Jeff, like, I know some people that have been walking in darkness for years. What's the big deal? Here's the big deal. It's progressive. And some of you have heard me give this definition of sin before, but it's just another way of saying, what if I keep walking in darkness? If you and I choose to keep walking in darkness, it'll take us farther than we want to go. Keep us longer than we want to stay. Cost us 
more than we want to pay and break God's heart more than words can say. If you and I keep moving further and further away from the light and keep walking in darkness, the Bible says there will come a day where we'll not only get so used to the darkness, but one day we'll find ourselves completely separated from God in outer darkness. And Jesus came so it didn't have to be the case. That's good news. All of us know what it's like to walk in darkness. None of us are Normans. We need the light of the world. And praise God, Christmas means we can have the light of the world. So here's the question, though. If we're going to not keep walking in the darkness, what are we going to do when Jesus shines in the darkness? So if you're following along as Jesus shines in the darkness, will I, one, receive the light of Jesus and surrender to him? To receive the light of Jesus and surrender him. Do you mind reading that middle gray box with me again there? Then let's just hear what Jesus says to us. Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. If you studied when he actually said this, the context around it is he was standing in the temple. And they had just celebrated one of the festivals in which they remembered how, as Jewish people, they had lived in Egypt and been brought out of Egypt into the wilderness. And when they got out, they, of course, had no idea where they were going. And there was a lot of them, and so they needed guidance. And so God provided a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. In fact, here's one rendering uh, that someone's made of that. That meant that whenever he led them, they could follow, and that meant that they could travel at night or day without fear because they knew God's presence was with them. Well, Jesus says this at the end of the festival when all these huge candelabra that were like 60 or 70 feet high, in fact, men had to take ladders and pour oil into them, but they would just light up the whole city. And after those had been finally extinguished, Jesus stood up and said, I am the light of the world. Whoever believes in me will no longer have to walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. He says, I, I can guide your life. I can lead you. I can not only shine so you can see better, I can, I can guide your life. And the question is, will I let him? I remember as a kid, when my dad would give questions like that on Sunday morning, I remember there were times ago, I, I, don't, I don't want to right now. I don't want to surrender. I think I got a better idea how to use my life or spend my life or what to do with it. And I found myself holding on. I wanted to keep walking at least in darkness in some ways. And so the question is, will I surrender? Well, you remember that demon-possessed guy? The deep, deep darkness that he was in? Well, if you go back to that, I don't know if you still have that place marked, but it says that, um, tell him hi, um, when, when they come to that, it says this. It says the crowd came out to see this guy after the, Again, the demons had been cast out of him. It says, when they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed and in his right mind. Is that not powerful? They came, they saw in five minutes, Jesus changed this guy's life. He went from extreme, deep, 
darkness and Jesus shone on him. And there was a sense of surrender. Now I want you to see the, the, the fight that was going on in this guy. Do you remember how it said that he ran to Jesus and fell at his knees? And yet the demons were also saying, are you here to torture us? This guy was conflicted because he had these things pulling in his life. And so he runs to him. And you can see that he is open and he ultimately surrenders to Jesus' control. And what does Jesus do? He helps him be in his right mind and be at peace and be back to the person that God created him to be. And it was amazing. There was a peace in this guy's life he had not known when he was walking in deep darkness. But notice, notice what also happened. I'll come back to that later. Just keep that place marked. Notice this, that the Apostle Paul, the Apostle Paul who had been Saul, who had been persecuting the church and hating Jesus and hating Jesus' people, he meets Jesus one day on a Damascus road when he's going to arrest more Christians and he's met by a bright light from heaven. And out of the light, he hears a voice say, Saul, Saul, Jesus knows our name, friends. Why are you persecuting me? It's hard for you to kick against the goads. What he's saying is, will you surrender to me? Some of you have asked Jesus to take you to heaven, but you've never surrendered your life to Jesus as Lord. And if you're really gonna know his light shining in your life and changing you, that's really what it means to believe and trust in Jesus, enough to surrender your whole life to him. Not just ask him for all his benefits, but to let him lead your life. And so if you look at John 1, 9 through 13, look at what it says there, here on the screen. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children of light. So have you done that? Maybe some of you are here and you've never really had anyone ever tell you about Jesus like this. If that's the case, that could change today. And I'm going to give you an opportunity before the service is over to receive Jesus and surrender your life to him and let him be the light of the world in your life. But there's others of us that we've already done that. And so this next one is for us. As Jesus shines in the darkness, will I walk and keep walking in his light with others? Will I walk and keep walking in his light with others? Would you mind reading that third gray box with me, please? First John 1, 7, let's read. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. What incredible good news. But I found after trusting my life to Jesus that sometimes through temptation or through sometimes thinking I'm smarter than God is that I start making my way back into the shadows, start making my way back into different places that are not meant for me to walk instead of walking in the light. Sometimes filling my life with all kinds of things that the world says are light, but they're actually darkness. But with things, that, depending on what I watch or feed my mind with or fill my heart with, it's possible to do that. And so what does it mean to walk and keep on walking in the light when the Holy Spirit says, come on, come on, move back into the light. Make that the way you live. No secrets, no hiding, no deception, none of that. No hanging on to things and insisting your own way. And so... One of the best examples I know of in our church family happens on Thursday mornings at 6.30, right down this hallway. For a number of years now, 
about 15 to 20 guys have met together in one of those classrooms and just said, now that Jesus has come into our life, we realize that we have the same temptation towards self-deception and deception and disobedience as anyone else. And so we want to make sure that we're just as transparent and real about that as we can be. No more hiding, no more games. And so there's just this honest sharing that goes on and they actually help each other. They cheer each other on. And it's just beautiful. And what they've found as they do that is strength for the day. Strength to keep walking in the light. And they find that instead of the darkness coming back in such power, they're able to be set free from guilt, shame, and fear. They're able to be aware that they're not the only light in this community, but others want to learn those same ways. I hope that every one of our small groups, or I hope that every one of us will make sure that we're being honest and true with someone else about that in order that we may walk in the light and keep walking in the light. Now notice, if you will, that um, verses five and six say the same thing uh, before we read verse seven already. Look at these verses. This is a message we have heard from him and declare to you, God is light. In him, there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. So God wants to help us do that. That's one other way this Christmas that the light of the world wants to shine in our lives. But he not only wants to shine in our lives, he wants to shine through our lives. And so if you're following along, notice as Jesus shines in the darkness, will I shine his light so others can know Jesus? As Jesus shines in the darkness, will I shine his light so others can know Jesus? Do you realize that from the Old Testament to the New, God's plan for his people has always been that we might be his people who are a light to the nations, that we who once walked in darkness now have become his people, that we may declare the praises of him who brought us out of darkness into his wonderful light. And he wants us to tell someone else about Jesus. He wants us to do things like give generously so that Refuge Ranch and people in Ethiopia can know about Jesus. He wants us to shine. And some of us go, well, my, my, don't, my candle, my light's not that bright. I'm just one person. You know, one of my favorite parts of the Christmas Eve service every year is when one candle starts here on the stage and then just begins to make its way out progressively so that by the time all the candles are lit, the sum total of that is beautiful. And this is what the Lord wants to see. One of the ways he's redeeming and restoring the world is one life at a time. And you never know what your life may do to touch someone else's. Maybe it'll be through quiet things you do. Maybe it'll be through a word you say. Maybe, again, you'll have the opportunity to say, look, if you want to know the secret of my life, it's Jesus. <laughs> He's the light in my life. I'm not the light in my life. He is. And you may have that opportunity. And I want to be that kind of church, don't you? That with the time we have in this chapter of history, that we may shine his light into our community and world as we give ourselves fully to Jesus and his mission. So one last thing here is that as Jesus shines in the darkness, will I do those three things, or, and here's something hard to talk about, love darkness and refuse to come into the light. To love darkness and refuse to come into the light. Some of you know that one of the most famous verses in the Bible is John 3:16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever would believe and trust in him should not perish but have everlasting life, right? 
But it goes on and says, he sent, in, he sent his son into the world, not to condemn the world, but by the, that the world might be saved through him. But whoever doesn't believe is condemned already because they've rejected the one way that they can be made right with God. And then it comes to these incredible verses, 19 through 21. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people loved darkness instead of light. Why? Because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. And so it's possible this Christmas to hold on or refuse or love darkness more than light, to be a nictophile, where you prefer that. Is that you? Is the Lord prompting you and saying, come on, that's not where you were meant to walk. I've got a hope for you. I've got a purpose for you. Jensen Franklin put it this way. He said, because Jesus has shined in the world and shined in my life, I have a past forgiven. I have a purpose for living. And I have a home in heaven. Isn't that good? And that means this Christmas that if Jesus is the light of your life, then you have a past forgiven. You have a purpose for living. And you have a home in heaven and we're looking forward to one day where he will wipe away all death, all darkness. There'll be no more crying, no more suffering. And he, the Bible says in Revelation 21, there won't need to be street lights there because he will be the light. Oh, to live in those days. But now he wants us to shine with him. That's part of his plan. I was reading the story of a dad and the story goes that there was once a man with three sons who devised a test of wisdom to determine which of his sons would receive his estate. He brought his three sons to a large room in his house and gave each of them a small bag of coins. Purchase something that can fill this room with the money I've given you, said, said the father. Whoever succeeds will inherit my estate. The first son spent his money on dirt, but even though the money purchased a large amount of dirt, it did not fill the room. So the room was cleared and the next son had his turn. The second son spent his money on straw, but though the straw filled more of the room than the dirt, it did not fill the room completely. The room was cleared again, and it was time for the last son to take his turn, but he had requested that they wait until evening. When evening came and the house was dark, the third son entered the room with a small brown sack. His brother scoffed, wondering how something so small could fill a room so large. Out of the sack, the third son pulled a candle and a match. He struck the match and lit the candle and light filled the entire room. His father smiled and declared that his third son, the wisest of the three, would inherit his estate. You may feel like your life is only one life, but if you and I walk in the light, as he, in the light, as he is in the light, we not only have fellowship with one another, we shine in a dark world that so desperately needs it. And you may not be appreciated for that, some people want to keep hiding and they may not like your light, but you and I can make a difference in this world if we'll give ourselves to Jesus. And so if you're following along in the notes, here it is. Christmas means all of us can have the light of life. All of us can have the light of life. Now this week, I felt like it was really important that I give an invitation 
to invite you to do that very thing. And by that, I don't just mean maybe if you're doing that for the first time, maybe you are a person that you've already received Jesus, but he's been speaking to you about renewing and coming back into the light. And so I tried to write a prayer and I put it on the back of the message notes, if you turn those over. And could I just ask that you not put your message notes away when we finish the last line of the notes? Because I want to just give you time to think about this prayer. And again, I want to read it aloud so that those listening or watching online later can also know what this prayer says. But here it is. Just listen with me and follow along if your heart's with me in this. Lord, I admit that I've been walking in darkness, the darkness of disobedience and unbelief. I'm sorry, and I ask you to please forgive me for not trusting and obeying you. Thank you for sending Jesus to be the light of the world, to shine on us so that we no longer have to walk in darkness. I believe that trusting in him and his sacrificial death on the cross makes me right with you. Today I choose to leave the darkness of going my own way, and because of your grace, I step into your light. Help me walk in your light each day by following you with others who want to walk in your light too. Show me how to carry your light to other people so that they too may come to know you, Jesus. As I wait for your second arrival, thank you for giving me your living hope and lasting joy. And there's a place, if it would help you, to write your name at some point, but keep that out and then just turn the notes back over. We'll look at that in just a moment again. Here's the question this Christmas. What am I doing with Jesus this Christmas? What am I doing with Jesus this Christmas? Is, are you walking in the light? Have you received his light? Are you looking for opportunities to shine his light? Or, if you're going to be totally honest, you love the darkness more than the light because you want to keep doing what you're doing. Or, you're filled with shame, guilt, and fear and you don't think Jesus would want to be with you. The good news I proclaim to you is that Jesus wants to shine on you this Christmas. And he not only wants to shine on you, he wants to shine in you. And he wants to shine through you. This is the good news that we have instead of walking in the darkness. So would you take that prayer out and just, again, I don't know how you might do business with God. Can I just tell you that he loves to hear your voice? just like any parent does. And so whatever business that he's brought to your mind while we've been looking at this, I'm just going to trust that you'll know what that is and that you'll let him work in your heart. And if this prayer is helpful to you, any part of it, pray it to him and ask for his grace to keep shining on you. Can I read one more thing? Sorry, just like a pastor to say in conclusion nine times. I was reading a book this week, or this uh, year, and it was called The Christmas Promise, and it was about a guy that got so far away from God. And here's what it said. He had lost his way, and his vision was nearly gone. But God's grace was relentless, always inviting him to come home. That's why grace came down at Christmas, to love and pursue us through dark days and desperate nights. Try as we might, we can't outrun it. Thanks for joining us today. 
If you would like more information or to stay connected to Cherry Hills Church, please visit our website at cherryhillsfamily.org or follow us on Facebook.